The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Good morning, church family. I'm so glad that there are many of you, even in the middle of the summer, where a lot of folks are traveling here and there. For those of you who are in town and in the community, I'm so glad that you've prioritized gathering together with God's people to spend some time in worship, in praise and thanksgiving, and time around his word. So let me just commend you for that. And I'm thankful even at the first service, just a great group, and now a good group here at the 11 o'clock service as well. We're in 1 Samuel chapter number 12 this morning. That's where we're going to be studying the scriptures, the Old Testament, the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 12. We're currently in a series, it's a summer mini-series that we'll often do every summer, entitled Encore. And this is where we go to passages of the scripture that we've studied before, and we have an opportunity just to kind of dive back in and study them again. Uh, These are passages that have had a profound impact on the culture and the DNA of our church and and ones that we really like to emphasize on a somewhat uh, regular basis. The theme that has emerged uh, through this summer mini-series is this idea of the essence of God. And so we took to the Gospels, and, and the Gospels say that the first commandment is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. And so we've taken those four ideas and we've taken the opportunity of preaching through each and every one of them. And so several weeks ago, we looked at this idea of knowing God. And in knowing God is truly to love Him with all of our mind. And then the following week, we looked at this idea of experiencing God. Is it enough just to know Him academically or is it something that we've got to experience in and through our lives. And, and, and really the way we love God with our soul is through deeply experiencing him. And then last week we talked about loving God. Uh, this is what we do with our hearts. And today we're going to wrap up this series in 1 Samuel chapter number 12 uh, with this idea of serving God, serving God. This is how we love God, not with just our heart, mind, soul, but with our strength. All right. And, and there's a reason why we saved this message for last. Uh, In a lot of churches, in a lot of religious institutions, uh, this is what gets emphasized first. Doing what you're supposed to do, all right? And and there's a place for that in scriptures. There is a place for the imperatives of living out the Christ life. But the reality is we can't live this out unless we have first been experiencing it inside. And and so this is why we have saved this message for last and why I believe uh, in the Gospels it's the last thing mentioned in loving God with our heart, soul, mind, and then strength, all right? Because if we get this out of order, we will be the type of Christians who are trying to serve God, trying to live for God, but it won't come from a place of a pure heart. It won't come from a place that's energized by the Spirit of the Lord. And so we're going to spend some time in 1 Samuel chapter number 12. Uh, for those of you who are physically able, I want to invite you to stand as we read from our text today, the Old Testament book of the Bible, 1 Samuel chapter number 12. Uh, to give you a brief context here, what's taking place in this passage is uh, Samuel was the last of the judges 
in the Bible uh, for the children of Israel, for the nation of Israel, and he was the first of the prophets. And so he, he's one of these transitional characters, uh, much like we have pastors or preachers today, evangelists. Uh, prophets in the Old Testament were ones uh, that spoke on the behalf of God. And so here is Samuel uh, from a young age. He grew up with a love for God and a, a heart to listen uh, to the Spirit of God. And, and we find him in chapter number 12, specifically in verse number 24, and he's going to challenge uh, this nation of Israel. And uh, this is what he says in verse number 24. He says, only fear the Lord. Now, that word fear, it's this idea of to be in awe, to reverence, to deeply respect Jehovah, the Lord, and serve him but he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just say serve him. He, he caveats this. He gives it context. He says serve him. Not just anybody. He says serve him in truth. Notice this, with all of your heart. Well, how do we do that? How do we serve God with all of our heart? He's going to go on and tell us how. He says, now, how you do this is by considering how great things the Lord has done for you. We're going to take some time to unpack this as we preach on this subject of serving God. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll dive into our Bible study. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for radically and generously and sacrificially serving us. Lord, we know we are undeserving in our flesh, but we want to affirm and reaffirm in our hearts our thankfulness our gratitude for all the myriad of ways that you serve us on a daily basis. I pray that you'd help us to fix our hearts and minds on that reality. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen, and you may be seated. Many of us in this room are married, and so for those of you who are married, you might understand what we're going to be talking about here over the next couple of moments. But uh, I have found that in marriage, there are times uh, where there are great times and exciting times, but there are also challenging times and difficult times. How many of you are married? You know what I'm talking about, all right? There are just moments. It's, it's difficult, it's hard, and it's challenging. And, and in marriage, there's this ebb and this flow, and there's these rhythms. And, and yet, I think God in his sovereignty uses the institution of marriage as one of his tools to aid in spiritual maturity and in sanctification. I, and I know that's been the experience in my life. And though I have not always enjoyed all the ways that God has used Jenny to sharpen me and to grow me and to mature me, the reality is it's, it's probably been very healthy and very good. And, and, and sometimes when we're in a relationship, uh, people close to us will speak into our lives. They will give us maybe uncomfortable truth. How many of you have either had a spouse or someone close to you, a good friend, and they have spoken into your life uncomfortable truth? You know it's true. You know it's a reality, but it does not feel good. It doesn't make you like, woo, I like this. It's, it's uncomfortable truth. We, we've all had that, and the reality is that uncomfortable truth, though it may be true, and though it may be healthy, and though it may be right, it still can be a little bit discouraging. How many of you have been there before? You know it's true, but it just doesn't make you feel very good. And, and yet in, the, in, in a marriage relationship, in a, in a friendship relationship, the reality is this is an important part of what it means to be in a relationship. Because sometimes when people speak that uncomfortable truth and give that uncomfortable grace, we, we need to hear it. But I will say this, 
Rarely does uncomfortable truth inspire our hearts to want to do it. You know what I mean? You know, somebody comes along and they're like, man, I got to speak something hard. I'm going to speak something that may not make you feel good. And, And they don't speak it and you're like, Woo! Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that with me. That's exactly what my emotional state needed in this moment. It, it doesn't do that. You, that. That uncomfortable truth, though it might be needed, doesn't really fuel our hearts, and it doesn't really inspire us to want to do what that truth is. I have found in my experience, and as I study the scriptures, I have found while uncomfortable truth may point the direction in which I need to move and grow, it doesn't inspire or fuel my ability to do it. It just reveals it. And sometimes it leaves me very depressed. <laughs> I know that's where I need to go, but how? <laughs> I know that's where I need to grow, but wow. And what I have found and what I see in Scripture is that while that uncomfortable truth will point the direction, it is only extravagant love and grace that inspires and fuels my heart's ability to actually do it. Which leads us to our theme of what we're going to see today, and that's this. Extravagant love inspires extraordinary living. Extravagant love inspires extraordinary living. I I know in my relationship with Jenny, in our marriage, while there have been times she spoke an uncomfortable truth and I needed to hear it, it wasn't that speaking of uncomfortable truth that inspired me and fueled me to want to do what I needed to do. It was actually the love and the grace and the mercy that inspired and fueled change and growth that the uncomfortable truth pointed out. Why? Because as human beings, it's extravagant love that inspires extraordinary living. This is what takes place in a marriage, but it's also the way in which God works in our heart as well. And it's exactly what we're gonna, we see in this passage. I want, you, I want you to see this. Notice what it says. Only fear the Lord, serve him in truth with all your heart. How? By considering the great things he has done for you. Gary, the Spirit of God wants you to consider what great things God has done for you. The reality is, Rhonda, God wants you to consider the great things that he's done for you. And I could go around the room, you know. Martin, God wants you to consider the great things that God has done for you. See, the the prophet Samuel here is saying, hey, you need to fear the Lord, you need to serve the Lord, here's how you're going to do it. You've got to fix your attention, you've got to fix your focus on all the great things, that's the Bible word, great things that God has done for you. And so that's what the prophet Samuel is trying to do here. He's, he's gathered before the nation of Israel and he's saying, hey folks, he says, I want you to consider what God's done for you. I, I, the, the prophet Samuel is trying to remind the people of Israel that, hey, remember when God rescued you out of slavery in Egypt? Remember when Pharaoh used to whip you and make you build his kingdom? Remember all the ways that he oppressed you and God came along and he rescued you out of that slavery. slavery. He delivered you and the prophet Samuel is saying, I want you to remember that. I want you to consider that. I want you to focus on that. And Samuel's come along. He's saying, I want, you to, I want you to consider the way that he brought you out of slavery. He's saying, I want you to consider all the mighty miracles that God did on your behalf. And Samuel's saying, hey, consider it. Think about it. 
focus on it. Remember when God split wide open the Red Sea so you could walk across on dry ground and be delivered from Pharaoh's armies? Remember that? I want you to think about it. I want you to consider it. I want you to focus on it. Remember, consider what great things he has done for you. And Samuel's standing here, he's like, I want you to think about this. I want you to consider this. Remember, remember how God gave you a promised territory of land? A land that flowed with milk and honey? Remember when God gave you that for you and your children's children? Wow, hasn't God been good? And so Samuel is trying to remind the nation of Israel, hey, I want you to consider the great things that God has done for you. And so just like Samuel encouraged the nation of Israel, I want to encourage us today to take some time to simply consider the great things that he has done for us. So point number one, if you're taking notes, if this helps you in some way, uh, here's the first thought this morning. I want to encourage us to meditate on God's extraordinary love toward us. This is where it all starts. Serving God does not start with me and what I can do for the the divine deity of the universe. That's That's not where service starts. Service is not proactive, it is reactive to what God has already done on our behalf. And so just like Samuel's encouraging the children of Israel to start by considering what God's done, that's what I want to do. I want to challenge us, I want for us to consider what great things God has done for us, for you and for me. Man, think about it, notice this, for consider how great things he has done. Let's pause for a moment. Let that sink in for a second. Think about the great things that God has done for you. I mean, he's done some small things, praise God for that. He's done some good things, praise God for that. But he's also done some great things. If I were to take some time and and try to just think a little bit of what God's done, I I think about the fact that, that God created us even though he knew in his sovereignty that there would be times we would rebel against him. Would you have done that? Would you have created something that would defy you? And yet Samuel's saying, consider it. Consider the fact that he created you knowing there would be times you would rebel against him. Consider it. Not only did he create you, consider the fact that he sustains you. The New Testament says in him we have our being. In him we breathe. In him we move. In him we have that being. It's all of God. He not only creates us, but he also sustains us. And here's what's crazy. He sustains us knowing that at times we're not even going to be thankful for it. He lets us breathe. He lets us have our being. He allows us to move through this earth knowing full well that there will be times we will take that for absolute granted. And yet he still sustains. He still allows our heart to beat and our lungs to breathe. He continually sustains us. Consider it. Meditate on it. Enjoy it. Bask in it. Consider the great things he's done for you. I mean, he he creates us. He sustains us. Get this. And then he gifts us. That he, he gives us strengths and abilities and talents. He gifts us with things. Here's what's crazy. He gifted us with things that he knew 
we would use for our own selfish gain. And yet he gifts us anyways. He gives us strengths and talents anyways, knowing full well that we would not always use those gifts and abilities for his glory and for his honor and for his ultimate good. And yet he gifts anyways. And and I want to say this, consider that. Consider the fact that he creates and that he sustains and that he gifts you. Think about this, that he blesses you. Ephesians 1 talks about it. He gives us all spiritual blessing. He blesses you. And here's what's crazy. He doesn't bless you because you deserve it. He blesses you in the midst of your brokenness. He knew that in your flesh dwells no good thing, that in your flesh there's brokenness, in your flesh there's inadequacies, in your flesh there's weakness, and yet the God of the universe comes along and he says, I still want to bless you. I want to bless you in your brokenness. He creates and sustains, he gifts and blesses. Can I say this? He forgives you. Here's what's crazy about forgiveness is is the God of the universe pours out forgiveness upon you knowing full well that there is a huge possibility that you could do the very thing again that he forgave you for in the first place. Wow. You say, why are you saying? Consider it. Consider the great things he's done for you. That's what Samuel is saying. Consider these things. Consider the fact that he creates you and he sustains you. He gifts you and blesses you. He forgives you. And if that's not enough, can I simply say this? If you have nothing else to consider, consider, consider the fact that he saves you. The Bible says in the New Testament, consider him who endured the contradiction of sinners upon himself. Consider him who went to the cross to die and take the punishment and penalty of your sin upon himself so you could enjoy eternity in, in heaven with God for all of eternity. That, that's a gift. You've been saved from the penalty of hell and separation from God. That is a gift that you get to enjoy. And I want us to consider that. See, the reason so many of us struggle with serving is because our serving comes from a place of discipline. It comes from a place of like, you know, I, gotta, I just got to do this because what will pastor think if I don't? Or I got to do this because this is what good Christians do. And we have this like duty mentality of serving God. And Samuel is saying that's not where true service comes from. True service doesn't start with you. It starts with considering and focusing and turning all your attention on everything that he has first and foremost done for you. Consider him first. And that's what we're told to do in Samuel. That's what Samuel's encouraging the people of Israel to do. Hey, where does this all start? It starts with focusing on him, not yourself, not your abilities, not your strength, not your willpower, not your discipline. No, consider him and consider the great things he's done for you. Uh, The Gospel of Mark, chapter number 10, verse 45 says this. It says, even the Son of Man, Son of Man, Jesus, God in the flesh, even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto. Think about this. If anybody deserved to be served, if anybody deserved to be ministered to, it would have been God incarnate come to this earth in the flesh, right? If anybody had earned the privilege to be served, it would have been Christ. It would have been Emmanuel, God with us. But here's what the scriptures say. Even the Son of Man, even God incarnate, even Jesus, even the Messiah didn't come to be ministered to, but rather but to 
minister. That's, that's what he does. He, he's ministered to you. That's why he came. He came to minister grace to you. He came to minister forgiveness to you. He came to minister mercy to you. He came to minister love to you. He came to administer all his blessings and righteousness upon you. He came to serve you. Consider it. Dwell on it. Are there times in the natural rhythms of your life where you just pause to consider and to focus and to dwell on all the great things he's done for you? Or do you find yourself a little bit like me? And I, I hope, I know that I struggle because it's so easy for me to focus on all the things God hasn't done for me yet. It's easy for me to focus on all the things that are going wrong in my perspective. Focus on all the things, you know, that aren't working out the way I want them to work out. It's easy to focus on that, to consider that. And in the process, I, I, I don't take time to consider all the great things he's done for me. And that's what Samuel's saying, and, and that's what we're being reminded of here today. The Son of Man, Jesus came to serve. Consider it. Dwell on it. Create margin in the rhythms of your life to just be still and know God, to know his greatness, to experience his love, his blessing, and his mercy. Consider him. Consider him. Uh, Psalms chapter number 77, the psalmist David said this. He said he's like, he's like preaching to himself almost. You just imagine maybe he's out on a hillside in the evening with a lot of sheep all around him, and he's just, he's just kind of crying out to the Lord. He's singing to God, and here's what he says in Psalm 77. He says, I will remember. I will remember, he says in 77 verse 10. I will remember. David, what is it that you're going to remember? He says, I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I'm, I'm going to remember his faithfulness and how he has sustained me all throughout the years and how the Most High has accomplished that. He goes on to say, he says, I will remember the works of the Lord. He's like preaching to himself. He's singing to himself. This is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to forget. I'm not going to lose focus of what God has done for me. I'm, I'm not going to get to a place where I take for granted all that he has blessed me with and all that he has graced to me. I will not take it for granted. I will not forget. I'm going to consider this. I'm going to focus on it. I'm going to turn my attention toward this on a regular basis. I will remember the works of the Lord. He goes on to say, surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I'm not going to forget what God did in ancient times. I'm not going to forget his miracles. I'm not going to forget his provision at salvation. I'm not going to forget his provision in, in, in just developing and growing my life. I, I won't forget the wonders of old. He says this, I will meditate also on all thy works. And he goes on to say, I'm going to talk of all his doings. This is what I'm going to consider. I'm, he's, trying to, he's trying to preach to himself. He says, this is what I want to be the focus of my life. Because as human beings, it's common for us to focus on what God hasn't done for us rather than focus on all the great things he has done for us. Does anybody else struggle with this? And so Samuel says, Harry, this is where it starts. 
You, you want to serve God? It doesn't start with you like looking inward and being like, all right, I'm going to discipline myself to do this. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the type of person who serves God. And so I'm gonna, no, he said it doesn't start with you. It starts with the character, the nature, and essence of all that God has been on your behalf. That's where it begins. And if your service for God starts in any other place, you will burn out. Because that is the fuel. As we said a moment ago, it is that extravagant love that inspires extraordinary living. That love. Consider him who endured the contradiction of sinners who went to the cross on your behalf out of great love and compassion for you. Consider him. That's where service begins. It doesn't start with you. It starts with him. Consider him and the great things that he's done for you. Is there rhythms and margin in the rhythms of your life to consider the great things he's done for you? Or do you just consider them on Sunday morning when you're singing a song about his love? Do you only consider him, you know, when you're at church? Or are, is there margin in the rhythm of your everyday life to stop, to be still, and consider him to consider him today so uh, not only do i want us to see today that that we need to meditate on god's extraordinary love but i want you to see second of all notice notice the beginning of this verse it says here in in, uh, in verse number 24 i got the i got the wrong page here <laughs> kind of wind blew on me but he says in verse number chapter number 12 verse 24 he says and serve him in truth notice this with all of your heart you see, the person who's considering him, who, who, who's fixated on him, who's focused on him, you know what begins to happen? That person can now serve him with all of their heart. Which leads us here to our second thought this morning, and that is this. Regularly meditating on God's extraordinary love towards us motivates our extravagant service to him. This is how it works. Maybe you look at somebody and you're like, I don't understand how they can serve God in that way and be faithful to the Lord in that way. How, how do they do it? Where does, that, where does that come from? Where does that power and strength come from? It doesn't come from their personality and it doesn't come from their abilities and it doesn't come from their own strength. It comes from their consideration, their focus, their fixation on all the great things God has done for them to the place where their minds don't have as much room to always be considering the broken, negative, bad things in their life. The reason why we worry so much, the reason I get discouraged so much, the reason we can get so distracted by a thousand things smaller than the greatness of God is because we forget to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We forget to consider him. We forget to focus on him. We forget to turn our attention toward him, and that's what Samuel's saying. This is where it begins, to fix our hearts on Jesus, which leads us, secondly, this then motivates our extravagant service towards God. If you try to serve God from any other place in the heart, then an overflow of his abundant goodness towards you, eventually you'll fail. Eventually you'll burn out. Eventually you'll be like, ah, this doesn't work. The only way to be not weary in well-doing in the long run is to fix your heart and consider him and the great things he's done for you. 
rather than being obsessed with all the things he hasn't done for you yet. Well, why didn't he give me a better spouse? And why doesn't he give me a better job? And why doesn't he allow me to make more money? And why didn't he allow my kids to have different personalities? And why did he allow this health calamity? You can focus on that or you can consider him. And the great things he's done for you. Every one of us have tons to be grateful and thankful for if we will simply choose to focus on that. Meditating on God's extraordinary goodness. That's what we see. Consider what great things he has done for you then motivates our extravagant service to him. So then here, here comes a practical question, right? What does it mean to serve God? It's an honest question, and I'm not being facetious. I mean, God's a spirit, and we that worship him must worship him in spirit. It's not like we can feel him to you know, touch. It's, like, it's, it's spirit. And so there's all these ideas of what it means to serve God, right? What, what, is, what does it mean to serve God? What does that even mean? We use these terms all the time, and then when we really stop to think about them, we're like, I don't know what it means. Somebody, I, I've asked people, what does it mean to serve God? And they'll be like, well, I think serving God like, you know, like going to church or maybe like, you know, reading my Bible and praying that serving, serving God, you know, and things like that. And, and let me be the first one to say those are great things to do, all right? I'm all for them. But in the truest sense of the word, that those, are, those are spiritual disciplines that cultivate our ability to uh, experience grace for ourselves. They're not serving God. So what is, what is serving God? What is it? I, I think we get a hint in Matthew chapter number 25, verse 40. It says this, As you have done to the least of these, my brethren, you have done to me. What does it mean to serve God? A part of what it means is to love people, to disciple people, to serve people. He says, and, and the least of these, the people that you're like, man, they don't deserve God's love. They don't deserve to be served, the least. And God says, what you do for them is what you're doing to me. Well, I went to church. I must be serving God. No, you're doing a good thing for your own heart and your own life. You're cultivating uh, an ability to experience grace. It's good. But you serve him by loving others. As you've done to the least of these, my brethren, you've done to me. Because for every person who is in Christ, the Spirit of God resides within them. And in serving that individual, you serve the Spirit within them. As you have done to the least of these, my brethren, you have done unto me. One way we serve God is by serving one another. That's why we'll often say around here, saved people serve people. When we are so fixated on all that God has done for us, we can't help but allow it to overflow in service to those around us. Now, I want you to notice in this verse, because there's a caveat here, it says, and serve him, notice this, with all of your heart. Basically, what this means is serve him without ulterior motives. You're not serving people for what you get out of it. You know, sometimes if we're not careful, we, we serve because of what it will make people think about us. You ever been there before? You want people to think well of you. 
You, you want to have a reputation as being a, a good person. And there's, it's, there's nothing intrinsically wrong with that, but we got to be careful that we don't have ulterior motives laced within our service. We're to serve him with all of our heart, with purity of heart. We're to serve him without ulterior motives. How do we do that? I don't know how to do it other than just consider him and the great things he's done for us. And as I just bask in that and enjoy that and experience that, I find that, that all that enjoyment and that experience of him serving me overflows, and all of a sudden, it He's serving others through me, kind of in this organic way. Consider him. When we spend time considering all that God does for undeserving people like us, we'll naturally begin to serve others organically. I like to say it this way. What God did to us in serving us he wants to do through us in serving one another. See? What he did to us in service, he wants to do through us in serving. That's, that's, what it, that's how it happens. And so when we consider all the ways he served us and how great and good he's been to us, the natural overflow of somebody who is authentically enjoying the ser- being served by God, what just naturally happens is they serve others. They don't have to try They don't have to like work it up. It just begins to flow. This is what it means to serve and love God with all of our strength. One of the things I'm so thankful for within the context of our church family is we have so many individuals that have a heart to serve people. I'm blown away uh, by the culture that we have here of service in in so many ways. I think the last time I looked, we had somewhere about 140 individuals who just serve on a, on a regular basis around here. I'm just serving. They're in ministries. Many folks in our church aren't just serving in one ministry. They serve in two and three ministries. Regularly, I'm on Facebook, and I'm, I'm seeing our church serving at the pregnancy centers. Regularly, I'll jump on board and see at the Ronald McDonald House, our church, serving those families who are, who are going through such difficult seasons in the lives of their kids. I'll see our church serving at the Fresno Rescue Mission meals to, to people who are hungry. I come to church on Thursdays and I, I see groups gathering to put together groceries to serve the homeless in our, in our communities. And whether it's Habitat for Humanity, whether it's the Pavarello House, there are so many ways in which our church serves one another and serves outside of these walls. And I'm here to say one of the reasons I feel so blessed is because that's not normal to have the majority of a church family involved in that type of ministry. I talk to my friends who are pastors, and they're like, man, like 5%, 10% of our church does like 90% of the work. I, I just feel incredibly blessed that that really is not the way it is here. It's almost flipped. Where, like, there, yeah, we might have 10 or 15% of our church family who's not involved in anything and not serving in this way, but the majority of you are regularly involved in serving one another and serving our community and discipling people and pouring out what you've been given. And, and the reality is, we all understand, it, it's not about filling up somebody else's cup if you can follow the metaphor here. It's not my job to, to, to give you everything you need. That's, that's not my job, and it's not your job to do that for somebody else. So 
not my job to fill up your cup. It's not your job to fill up somebody else's cup. It's just your job to empty your cup. Here's what I've got and here's what I give. And I'm so thankful that we have a church family that is just radically involved in serving the Lord by serving one another. So many of our folks, we have dozens of folks who serve in our nurseries. Literally right now on the other side of this wall, there are people who sacrifice on a regular basis to spend time with little infants and little babies so that in their formative years of being, they can be reminded that they are loved. And at one year old and two years old, we've got little classes and they're starting to teach them about the grace and the love of Christ. And it's, it's people like you giving of yourself, making that possible. Every week we have folks that are serving the next generation, serving our children. I was so encouraged by uh, dozens of people who a couple of weeks ago uh, carved out time in their schedule to come and be a part of our junior Bible camp. Many, many adults just wanting to pour into our children and pour into our kids. And it, it just encouraged my heart that, that this is not a gathering, a, a faith community of people who are like, ah, somebody else will do it, you know. I don't have enough time and I, I'm not talented enough or I might do something. Or I just says, you know what, I, I may not be everything, but I, can, I can't do everything, but I can do something. And, and that's, that's the culture of this church. And I am so thrilled and I'm so grateful that that's, that's what exists here. I, I think about those who are, who are just sacrificially and radically generous in giving financially so, so we can support all these ministries that happen in our community. And we can, we can, we can uh, give to missionaries around the world that are starting schools and orphanages and churches and, and providing resources and medical needs. And, and this is because of your radical generosity financially. And some of that's you, so, you know, our guests can come to church and feel welcomed and, and sit in a room with air conditioning and have lights so, you know, they can see what's going on. And uh, all these funds get used to functionally and practically propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and so I'm so thankful for those of you who serve financially and who serve with your time, you know, who, who serve, you know, an area of ministry. The last I checked on an average Sunday, we're in the middle of the summer, on an average Sunday, it takes somewhere between uh, 70 and 80 people to run a Sunday service. Just, just to be a part of what we're doing right now, both at the 9.30 and 11 o'clock service. You're like, well, I, I see you up there every once in a while, and Pastor Nick, and some you know, people leading us in worship. I'm telling you, what, there are dozens and dozens of people behind the scenes making what I'm doing right now even possible. And I don't take that for granted. I mean, I'm talking 60, 70, 80 individuals every Sunday in order just to do this. Working in childcare, working in the parking lot ministries, working in guest services, working as greeters, working as ushers, working in nurseries, working in uh, all types of different ministries just so we get to come in and pop down and enjoy it. <laughs> I'm so, so thankful to be a part of that type of church because I have been to churches, I have spoken in churches where there's like three to five people who do like practically everything and it's not healthy it's not a biblical church it's not i mean they're doing the best they can but and i'm, I'm just grateful that that's not the reality of what happens here and so i'm so thankful to the 80 85 percent of you who are like yep i'm on board I have considered the great things that god has done for me and i can't help to keep it all to myself i just i gotta share it with somebody else 
Um, one group for me just recently as I was meditating on this passage and I was thinking about it this week that has just really encouraged me and, and I was thrilled. I, I heard about our students going to teen camp a couple weeks ago and God's just doing some great things in their life and I'm so uh, thankful for the Taylors that are investing in their lives and Hunter and other who are just pouring into our uh, high school students and things and I am so encouraged about what God is doing in their life. Uh, one of the things that has been a real encouragement to me is to begin to hear about how so many of our students, our high schoolers, are serving in so many different ministries. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty amazing. I mean, right now, we've got some high school students that are working at the media desk in the back. Every week up here, you know, Landon's up on the worship team as a, as a high schooler. Uh, you know, I know the Pierce's kids are involved with working in children's ministry. I know my daughter every week is involved in working and helping a, a worker in, in those nurseries, just trying to help the kids. And, and I know we've got teens that work in the parking lot. We, I am just so overwhelmed that this is not just an adult thing. I mean, you, you, the students here have a passion not just to sing about God, but to, to let that flow out of their lives. And I, I just, I'm, I'm so impressed by it. I uh, recently, I was driving up a couple weeks ago, and uh, as I was driving up, uh, I, I saw Hayden. It was kind of before everybody got here, and I saw him taking these signs, and he was running them down the street and putting them up so when cars drive by, they could see those signs there. And, and I, I got talking to Anthony, who is our parking lot coordinator, and I got talking a little bit, and I was like, man, Hay Hayden's a blessing, isn't he? And uh, I remember Anthony saying to me, he's like, I'm serious, and I, I'm not joking with you, Pastor. He said he is literally one of the best people in our ministry. He's so faithful. I mean, he's up every week before anybody else get here, setting everything up, and uh, he said this. He says he puts a lot of the adults to shame. <laughs> and I was just so encouraged by that. And, and so the Bible, the Bible does say, it says giving honor to whom honor is due, and every once in a while I like to just kind of highlight an individual that God's using maybe behind the scenes in ways that we wouldn't know. And, 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 and really, uh, on behalf of all of our students, um, I, I hope you'll allow me to do this, but uh, hey, you want to join me on the platform here real quick? And I just, I, from my heart and the heart of our church family, I just want to take a moment just to say kind of thank you publicly, not just to him. Uh, how, you're how, 15, right? 15. The, he has been serving in this ministry I, for like the last five years. I know that is awesome, and it's something that I think is good to celebrate. Year after year after year after year, all right? He is a seasoned minister of the Lord at the whopping age of 15. And just faithful. I mean, like, there's a faithfulness here that I don't even see in a lot of adults. And here's the verse that comes to mind. Uh, the Apostle Paul says to young Timothy, he's a, he's a young man, and he, he, says, he says to Timothy, he says, don't let anybody despise your youth. And that verse is not saying that young people are supposed to be like, ain't nobody gonna despise me, you know, I, I'll show them something. No, it's not that. It, what Paul's saying is, he's saying, hey, young people, don't give adults any reason to look down on you. He says, but rather, he says, you be the examples. And then he goes on, he says, be an example in, in your words, what you say, and in your lifestyle. Be an example in the way you love and in the way you serve. And, and Hayden's one example of many that we have in our church. Landon, you know, I see Riley back here, uh, the, the Pierce girl, so many who are serving. And they're not just serving, they're literally being some of our examples. Because when I drive up and I see him serving, he's an example to me. I'm like, wow, year after year, faithfulness. You don't have to be 50 years old to lead. You just have to be willing to serve. 
And so as a small token of my appreciation on behalf of our entire church family, I just wanted to give you a little gift, say thank you so much for your willingness to serve for so many years. And whether somebody here is 80 years old or whether they're 18 years old, I'm thankful for how God is working through your life. Can you join me one more time in just kind of honoring and thanking him for his service? Thanks, Beth. Appreciate it. An example. You, you don't have to be 50 years old. I started pastoring at 21. I've been pastoring now for like 16 years. And I'm thankful that I wasn't told I had to wait until I was 50 to start doing something for God. You don't. If there's a nine-year-old here today, God can use you. And if you're 90 years old, he ain't done with you. <laughs> He ain't done with you. As we consider him, he works through us. Here, here's my takeaway and we'll be done. My hope, my prayer. My prayer, my hope is that 100% of our church would serve the Lord with 100% of their heart. Just be like, hey, it, we're not all gonna serve the same ways. We're not all gonna be passionate about the same thing. That's not the goal. It's not, the goal is not to, you know, compare each other with each other and be like, well, I think everybody should be involved in the ministry I'm in, and I think everybody should be going to the rescue mission like I do, and I think, that's not the point. The point is not to get us all to be clones. The point is to allow the Spirit of God to work in our hearts, use our gifts, our abilities, our strength to do what He's calling us to do, and just be obedient to that, and allow Him to lead in those things. One theologian said it this way, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Man, let's pray that God uses 100% of our church to serve with 100% of our heart. And if you're here today and you're not currently involved in formal service through our church family, can I just lovingly ask you to prayerfully consider stepping out of your comfort zone? I know you're busy. We're all, we all got different struggles, and I, I know there's a lot going on. But can you ask God for the grace and demonstrate the faith to step out of the comfort zone and out of the busyness and out of the distraction and out of the excuses to say, I can't do everything. But I can't do something. And what God's called me to do by his grace, I'm going to do. There's, there's guides in the back if you want more information on how this works. But let's ask that God would allow 100% of our church to serve with 100% of our heart. Not in the flesh. Well, that's what pastor expects. No, but we've just, we're just so overwhelmed with all God's done for us, what he's done to us, and what he wants to do through us. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.